Hi, I'm Robin Birkin and welcome to the Fertility Warriors podcast, a place for women struggling to conceive to find emotional support, conception advice and real talk. To me, being a warrior means true glory is in rising every time we fall, having the courage to be afraid and being ready for whatever challenges cross our path. So welcome warrior, you're on your way. I promise to support and guide you on every single episode. Let's begin. Hi, Warriors, and welcome back to another episode of the Fertility Warriors podcast. I'm so happy that you're here. I'm so happy that you've chosen to tune into us today to this podcast. It's going to blow your mind, guys. It's going to give you some strategies on how to navigate all of the dietary changes that you need to make, how to look back on your journey how to get through it, how to advocate for yourself and the best person that I could think of to talk about the benefit or the bitch of hindsight is my amazing friend, Monica Cox. So you might know her from her Instagram. She is at fertility underscore reconnect. She has an amazing account. She posts some funny shit, but she posts a lot about her journey, the things that she didn't know and the lessons that she's learned. Monica is a great friend of mine and it's my true pleasure to welcome her to the podcast today. Welcome Monica. Hello Robin. I'm so happy to finally be here. We've been kind of like stalking each other for years, haven't we? (laughs) We chat all the time. It's so funny that you make all of these amazing friends over the internet, especially when you're all I guess brought together by this infertility journey. And then sometimes though you feel like you really know people, but you know, speaking to them, I mean Monica and I speak fairly regularly on like video chat and stuff like that. But then when you actually get forums like this, it feels long overdue. Yeah, definitely. So I know a lot about your journey. Our audience probably doesn't, but there's one stat that blows my mind when I think about your journey. And that is the number of years that you tried to conceive. (laughs) Yeah, nine. I say nine because I feel like anyone who has been on this journey and especially anyone who has had a miscarriage or a loss, you know, you don't count your chickens before they hatch and from start to finish. So my finish line, I feel is after my second son's birth, Mm -hmm. that was my journey. I was done after that. I knew I wasn't going to have any more kids and I knew I can leave all of the stuff and the baggage that you carry with you through infertility behind me. So yes, my journey was really long. And I think there's two other reasons it was really long. One, I spent three to four years not even knowing why I had infertility and not even knowing how to even help it or support it or fix it. I had unexplained infertility almost for five years. We did IVF and it just wasn't working for us. But the other reason it was so long is because we took a really long time to do medical procedures. We weren't the people who were doing back-to-back IVFs. We um, waited up to a year and a half to do stuff. In between our IVFs, we waited over a year. My frozen embryo transfers were always eight months plus. We just kind of took our time not because we knew (laughs) that was a good way to do it because we had unexplained infertility and 
you know, just doing back to back, back to back wasn't going to help us. I think my husband kind of led the way and he's very Yoda and Zen like naturally. And he wasn't in a rush and he was very calm about it all where I think if I had the driver's seat being a type a, I would have been like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's why it took so long and yeah, just not having the information that we do nowadays or even people helping and guiding us through these journeys. We didn't have that. So we just kind of were you know, blindly going in the dark. And yeah, it just took us a really long time. I love that. I was the back-to-back-to-back girl. I was desperate to have those embryos put inside me at the earliest possible convenience every time. Ross was kind of just go along with the flow, like I'll just do whatever this mad bitch says. But how did you cope with those long gaps in between? I don't know, uh, really, because so after our first IVF failed, that was already almost four years into our journey, probably like three and a half, and no one had any good answers for us. And so a friend just kind of said, like, why don't you change your diet? And we were like, well, there's nothing. We thought we were healthy. And, you know, there was no issues with my husband's sperm. I didn't have like any big red flags until after the IVF. And when they were like, you have a really crappy embryo quality, we were like, well, is that the answer? Is that the answer to our infertility? And um, we just decided to focus on getting healthy, whatever that looked like. And we didn't even really have a guideline of what getting healthy looked like then. It was, it was just, you know, improving our diet, which like I said before, we didn't think we had an unhealthy diet. We weren't macking on, you know, takeaways or McDonald's or I didn't even have a sugar fiend. So we just kind of really focused. We traveled a lot and maybe that was another issue. We spent a lot of our money still on traveling. It wasn't, you know, we had to pay for our IVF rounds. So we were maybe, you know, saving for both along the sides of it. But we just focused on life and we never stopped living. You know, we never stopped doing things because of our infertility. And I think probably that got us through these long breaks. And with the hindsight that I have now, if I was able to fast forward through all the diet and lifestyle changes I went through, it wouldn't have taken that long. You know, we would have been successful on our second IVF or how we would have probably got pregnant naturally Mm. a lot sooner. So just for everyone who is here, your second baby is a natural conception. Um, Your natural killer cells have gone. They're like in remission, I suppose. I have um, just an autoimmune issue that I probably damaged myself. I think there was a little half and half, like I got some dirty genes from my parents and then just living the normal standard American diet. And then, I mean, I had stomach issues when I was 17, 18, 19. I had like signs of an ulcer. Like it was just looking back now, I was just like, what the heck? Like, why didn't anyone like pick this up and just go, that is not normal for an 18 year old to have signs of an ulcer, which is, 
you know, an ulcer is like major stress on your body, either through nutrition or through, you know, mental health. So I have to now, because I did so much damage to myself, have to live a certain way to maintain, you know, I would say kind of a normal level of health. So yeah, my living the way I do now, which is my version of an autoimmune paleo diet, I just calm down my immune system. And so my immune system was overreacting because my gut was so unhealthy. And, you know, a lot of people are now hearing this term leaky gut. And you can have that with no major issues and major issues like thyroid issues or a full-blown autoimmune issue. Like I was just your kind of normal sick person, like getting on with life. And my big sign that I was unhealthy was infertility. Yeah. And I think not only myself, but a lot of our audience can relate to this story of, you know, trying for years and nothing's happening, signs when we're younger that something's not right. I am learning myself, but a lot of the time it comes back to an autoimmune condition of some sort or gut issues of some sort that it's not truly unexplained infertility. It's just that there are different tests that can be run. And I actually want to talk to you about that a little bit later, but if you guys don't follow Monica on Instagram or TikTok, because they're on, she's on TikTok as well. She's a rock star on TikTok. Y'all don't don't sign up to TikTok because you'll just be addicted. And it's so addictive. You, you won't be able to stop looking at all the videos on TikTok. Anyway, you're famous for the grated veg breakfast. Yeah. So can you tell me what your autoimmune paleo type diet looks like? what a day kind of on your plate looks like. And also then tell me what a day on your plate used to look like. So now I would say at least five out of seven days a week, we have grated vegetables and that's, you know, stems from any vegetable under the sun. I am lucky enough to still keep eggs in my diet, which um, a lot of people with autoimmune issues can't. We have bacon or salmon, it's usually fried up in butter or coconut oil. And on an off day, I'll have, yeah, like gluten-free cereal or porridge. And then lunch usually consists of, you know, like a salad or leftovers. I'm a huge taco fan and I'm super grateful now that there's like coconut flour tacos. You know, people are coming out with different things because I'm not great on corn either. And then, yeah, dinner, when we lived in the United Kingdom, a lot of roast, a lot of roasted vegetables or salads. Now I've kind of introduced rice a little bit back into my life. So yeah, it's it's just a lot of vegetables, some definitely a lot of meat, which, you know, that is here or there. You don't have to have a lot of meat in your diet. A lot of, you know, healthy fats. There's liver in my diet a lot now. Uh, bone broth used to be a huge staple in my diet, especially when I was healing. What I used to eat was just your typical, you know, toast for breakfast while I'm driving to work. If I had extra time, I would have a bowl of cereal. Um, those were my go-tos. Lunch would have been, I don't know, anything from like a pizza or sandwich. You know, I used to have loads of fruit, which I found out I have a fructose intolerance, which I didn't even know that existed. A lot of like granola bars 
And then dinner, dinner used to be like pasta based or garlic bread or both (laughs) and a can of something. And when I changed up my diet first, I went on like more of a paleo diet. I didn't think I was going to detox because I wasn't a sugar fiend. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't like eating biscuits that night or anything. And I had the worst headaches because I didn't realize how much hidden sugar I was actually eating and especially with the fruit as well. So yeah, I went through like this week of detox, which sucks when you're changing your diet and then all of a sudden you feel worse than you felt before. You just don't actually really know how like much crap your body can actually deal with and you can function on. And then when you start detoxing all that, your body's like, whoa, 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 wait. And that's why, you know, when you stop caffeine or a, a Coke, not Coke, like <laughs> that you snort, Coke that you drink. Um, <laughs> um, right? Yeah, when you stop those, you know, people are like, the detox is real. It's the same when you have all this hidden sugar and you think you're healthy, your body truly tells you that you're not. So outside of fruit, can you give me some examples of hidden sugar? So a lot of your packaged and your cans, those just have loads of hidden sugars in them. You know, your granola bars that you think you're being healthy with. I mean, those have like 14 to 20 grams of sugar in them. And so if you're having one of those and then you're having, you know, one or two pieces of fruit, you know, there's your over your daily allowance. And then obviously, if you're eating cereal, like even though I was eating like probably special K or something, there's still, you know, hidden sugars in those. So a lot of your hidden sugars are just in your boxes. Even all these like paleo bars that you can get nowadays, it's like, look at the sugar content because a lot of the stuff they use in those paleo bars are full of sugar, like dates or, you know, any of the dried fruit. So it just, once again, something super annoying, right? Like you think you're being healthy, you think you're being good. And it was just funny today, I went grocery shopping and my husband waited for me and he's like, what the hell took you so long? I was like, well, I'm in New Zealand, a new grocery store. I had to sit and read every freaking packet I picked up because I, you know, you're so used to your own stuff now that you could just go and grab it and be fine. I was like, no, I got to sit and see how much sugar this has and how much sugar that has. So yeah, it's it's in your boxes, in your cans. Um, obviously your soft drinks, some people drink like sweetened teas or, you know, thinking they're being good and not having their sodas. And then obviously if you're having a lot of fruit, fruit and sugar is still sugar. You know, this other stuff in fruit is what's healthy for you. But we tend to kind of, you know, we've almost been brainwashed that just eat as much fruit as you want, you'll be fine. And it's just really not the case. Um, it's so funny that you mentioned that. And like the whole theme of this episode is hindsight is a bitch. That, But just before we started our conception journey, my diet looked like a lot of these Atkinsy type bars. And People, I think, get really confused between all of the different diets and what sort of health looks like. And I was under the guidance of a naturopath and there can be good, this is not the naturopath that I talk about all the time, guys. There can be good naturopaths and what I would think is bad naturopaths. And this naturopath, because she was obviously earning a cut, had me eating all of these processed bars and you just don't realise what's in them. Can I ask you a few like quick yes or no questions about your diet? Are your oats gluten-free or just regular oats? If I eat gluten, they're gluten-free. Okay. 
Do you eat dairy? Now I do when I was trying to conceive and on my health kick, no. Okay. And are you like carb adverse or are you just like you don't eat gluten and obviously vegetables and, you know, things like that are at the top of the list and, you know, if there's some carbs on the side, that's fine. When I was going through, yeah, my hardcore diet, there was no carbs. Um, And I don't even like to use the word carbs because carbs are in vegetables, right? Like it's the crappy processed gluten. Yeah. And I mean, I can now tell like if I have a like highly processed gluten product, whatever that looks like, I feel it. But if I have like a nice, super slow fermented sourdough, I'm totally fine. So it's, um, it's yeah, like the whole like carbs thing kind of annoys me because it's the carbs aren't the enemy, right? Like <laughs> for, for most of us, but um, it's just the highly processed or, you know, the GMO and all that stuff that we need to be watching out for. You know, dairy is a funny one. I'm actually all right on dairy, um, even with an autoimmune issue. Like if I have a high level of dairy in a day, I don't really feel it. It's other things for me. And that's that's the really frustrating part about nutrition. And like you say, there's good people out there and bad people out there. And luckily, the information is slowly coming through. And I think people in the future are going to really appreciate that people who are into nutrition are really learning that everyone is so completely different and we don't have to stick to these like super crazy diets. And even when I guide people through the autoimmune paleo diet now, I'm like, all right, let's go hardcore for a little bit. Let's like give your body time to clear out, cleanse, heal, and let's start reintroducing things to see where you're at because we all don't have to live to a super crazy strict diet. And then once you reach your ultimate goal or once you're done with your journey, whatever that looks like, then you can start playing around and having a dirty burger every once in a while is totally acceptable because your body is going to heal quicker from it. And, you know, you might feel the effects (laughs) like the next day, but it's really important when you're going through this journey, not to um, just get so like blinkers on into your one diet and be very open because we don't want to limit ourselves. You know, the autoimmune paleo diet is super strict, man. And it has a lot of amazing foods. So you got to figure out what amazing foods you can and cannot have. I know I'm not good on paprika and tomatoes. Like that sucks for me because <laughs> that leaves out a lot of good stuff that you can have. But you just find your ways around it. And like I said, I can have eggs. I never cut out almonds in my diet. So yeah, there's a lot of wiggle room and you just need to find yours. Yep. I 100% agree with that. Like for me, like dairy just doesn't agree with me. And in the Fertility Warrior diet, we do the same kind of thing. Uh, The cleanse is a bit different to your cleanse, but we do the same thing. We go through an elimination diet for 21 days and then we start gradually introducing things back to see and to test how our body is reacting with that and I love what you say about bioindividuality and it's a really good segue into you hitting the books again and being like actually I care about this and I want to learn more about this and started getting into functional medicine. Yeah so 
I went autoimmune paleo between two frozen embryo transfers. So I did a frozen embryo transfer after I found out I had the high NK cells. I was already on the paleo diet and we used immune suppressing drugs and I had a miscarriage. So I was like, all right, what more can I do? And I was working with a coach myself and he was like, oh, you have high NK cells. You should go autoimmune paleo. So I started researching it and then I got pregnant with our first son. And during my pregnancy, I was like giving advice and I was just like, maybe I should back myself up just with some qualifications. So yeah, I trained as a functional nutrition diagnostic practitioner, and it's really just about seeking the root cause of any issue. And obviously I work with people with infertility and it's insane. And that's, I, I don't know, we talked about something earlier, um, unexplainable that my infertility was in my stomach. And that's just messed up, right? Like no one was looking there. And I would even say right now at the end of 2019, still a very small proportion of people are looking at other areas in your body that are having an effect on your fertility. And it's really a big mind trip to get it around, right? You're like, well, (laughs) but everything is connected. And so with unexplained infertility, especially um, you're most likely dealing with an autoimmune issue. It's finding where your body is at its weakest, you know, healing that. And then that's just going to cascade everywhere else. And that's why I always talk about like reconnecting your fertility links you know, because your fertility is linked up to so many other areas in your body other than your uterus. And we just have been super hyper-focused on that. And I just feel really lucky to have stumbled on this because if I never changed my diet, I'm pretty highly confident I would have never had my own children, even through IVF. My first IVF was a super shambles. We didn't get any good embryos. And maybe if we had the money and that's who we were and just did IVF after IVF, maybe after 16 rounds, we would have got lucky with one. But anyone who's gone through IVF just knows how emotionally draining that is. And um, if I just would have never stumbled onto this stuff, I, yeah, I would have had a completely different journey. And I see a lot of people who are told that they they don't have good enough eggs or good enough sperm, just get donor eggs, which is amazing if it's needed. But I think a large population of us just don't need it. And we just have to put in the hard work. It's hard. It's hard to change your diet. It's hard to change your lifestyle. As hard as IVF is, hands down, working on yourself is way harder. So can we talk about mindset for a minute. You mentioned that you kept living your life, which I do, I agree, I think was super important. And we talk about this all the time in the membership. We talk about this all the time in the intensive, that our journey is just like, it's all draining stuff. But then there's awesome stuff that gives us energy, but we stop doing all of the things. We stop living our life. And then all we're left with is the draining stuff. And so, you know, how long did it take between starting trying to conceive to falling pregnant with your first son? Uh, almost six years. Yeah. And we have a lot of people <laughs> in the and things like that. But I think it's so valid that 
who have been trying for a similar amount of time, who are there experiencing miscarriages and setback after setback. And I want to know, you know, if hindsight is the theme of this, when we talk about mindset, so number one, continuing to live your life, but what were some of the other strategies that you had or didn't have in your pocket that helped you get through six years of this journey? Well, I must admit, half of it, I was really drunk. So that helped. Maybe, maybe not yeah. <laughs> right? So <laughs> let's just erase the half of the, like the first three years, which obviously wasn't helping the cause. But I suppose when I had to stop drinking, I didn't have good mindset, I must say. It was, I did the diet first. And I think what got me through it was all the health and wellness podcasts that were out there that had nothing to do with infertility, those kind of just gave me this inner strength. I just was really amped to listen and learn and get new tips and tricks. And the first like mindset thing I ever did was I bought the Circle and Bloom and yeah, used that on my second IVF. And that was my first introduction to like mindset. And I'm not going to lie. I was listening to it. Like, what is this hippie bullshit? Like, (laughs) follow the light and like, look at your uterus. And I'm like, what? This is just like weird. But I was like, just go with it because you need all the help you can get. So that was my first introduction. And then what really blew it out of the water was doing the five minute journal every morning and then just being consistent with those little like things to yourself right and focusing on everything amazing that you had in your life and I suppose what kept me like through this all right after the first failed IVF you know taking that time off and just like working on my health and just living life when we did our second IVF and changed up our diet I got five amazing embryos. Like that's what they said. We didn't know. We didn't do the testing. And that was like hope, right? It was like, I went from nothing to five, but then I didn't get pregnant. Like I didn't even make it to day 28. And I went and I printed off a surrogacy form. I was like, fuck it. My body can't do this. And that's when we went back to the clinic and I demanded the immune testing We went to this clinic specifically because they had this immune testing and I wanted it. And the doctor, the consulting doctor there talked us out of it and said, you're not having reoccurring miscarriages, just do another round of IVF. And we freaking listened. And so we went back and we're like, I want this testing. And they're like, okay, okay, we'll do the testing, which is stupid. Like it's our money, right? Like why would anyone tell you not to do it? Like if you want to do something, Like it was just, I don't know, like hindsight's a bitch. I just look back at myself sometimes and just want to slap myself and go, you went there purposely for that testing. Why did you listen? It is so Um, bamboozled by qualifications and you feel like it's so common. We go in there and we feel less than, even though it's not like a $5 commitment. It's like 30 grand in the United States. Like it's a big deal. You know, like it's hard when we feel really defeated but we need to be there advocating for ourselves. It's just so hard to advocate for ourselves when we don't feel strong 
in ourselves. Where did you summon that inner strength from? It's just the last straw, right? Like frustration. They can't, yeah, they can't say no now. Like they, we failed, so they can't turn around and go, no, let's do something else. So we got that testing and it came back. We had a high NK cells and they already had a protocol of doing immune suppressing drugs, which was steroids and interlipids. And I was already on Clexane. So yeah, we did that and I got pregnant for the first time ever. And that was another hope, right? So every kind of step we did medically was another like, got pregnant. Like I had a miscarriage. So we went back in for the seven week scan and they're like, there's no heartbeat. And we were sad. Like we cried and we were sad, but uh, like, it sounds so messed up, but I knew my body could get pregnant. And that was it. There was like, for me, I knew I was going to have a kid from then on out because I would figure it out. I guess from that, you already made so much progress with your diet and your lifestyle. You were like, no, no, like I'm on this ship right now. (laughs) The ship is going to sail. Yeah, it was like we were like seeing the horizon. We were going to like get into the sun somehow. And so, yeah, I went autoimmune paleo and then had our son. And then we went, we didn't get to naturally try from when my son was born to our next frozen embryo transfer, which was almost two years because I was breastfeeding. And then I kind of did a little bit of a naughty and still like I breastfed till the day I started taking medication for the frozen embryo transfer. And I was just lucky that I got my periods back. And my husband went away to like places where they had the Zika virus. So we knew we were doing a frozen round embryo transfer. So we used protection like six months before. And so we went back and put two good looking eggs back in and I had another miscarriage. So even though I was doing everything perfect, you still can't predict, you know, like there's still mother nature is still there. I mean, that's my thing when people say, I've tried this diet, I've tried that, it didn't work. My two things are, is one, were you on the right thing? Because even though like I was on paleo for a year, for most people, that shit should have worked. And I just had to go a little bit deeper. And then my second thing is, is that, you know, it's a long-term game, right? Fertility, I feel like our currency is time. And most of us don't feel like we have that much. I was 27 when I started, you know, I didn't have my first kid until I was like 35. So when we are type A people and we're like, time is an issue, time is an issue. We're not giving ourselves enough time to heal, to recuperate, especially if we're doing treatment after treatment after treatment. So those are like two things I always say to people, you know, you really have to take that all into consideration where if you are on a diet and let's say you don't get pregnant actually in a few months or an IVF fails or an IUI fails, don't give up on that diet, you know, keep going, maybe tweak it, you know, find someone to help you and then just give it time. Like, you know, six months in the grand scheme of things is absolutely nothing. And I really truly feel like if I would have had the knowledge I have now, One, I wouldn't have listened to myself, which sucks. (laughs) But if I did listen to myself, I probably would have only needed about six months to a year to heal. 
Mm. My journey wouldn't have been nine years. You know, I would have been able to heal myself. It was fixable. It was doable. And unfortunately for most of us, we have to go through a lot of shit to finally be willing to do these like hard things. And that's where your mindset comes into play. And I think that's, you know, one, I feel like diet is your number one thing that if you do have a really deep issue that you got to sort that out. But for a lot of us, our mindset is affecting our fertility, you know, the whole just relax and the stress, like, you know, debate amongst the community is that stress does fuck you up, man. It, it, it does. Like it has a play on your hormones. It has a play on your gut. It has a play on your nervous system. And like we've talked about before, they're all connected and that could be having a major impact on your fertility links. And your mindset comes into play when you're doing this hardcore diet, right? And you're failing. Like I failed more times than I succeeded during this journey. If you look at your tick marks, I have way more fails. But, you know, my successes are greater than my failures, right? And if I would have stopped, if I would have just not felt like I was so committed, I was already deep down that rabbit hole, it just would have been a completely different outcome. And luckily, I feel like even if I didn't have children, what I gained from this experience, you know, through the diet and through the mindset, I would have been a better person anyways. Yeah, definitely. Oh, that's such powerful stuff. And I, you know, I just feel like there's so many quotes that we could take from this journey, so many lessons, especially for the warriors out there who have been trying for a long time to know that there are still the things that they can try, there are still things that they can do. And I think that's probably a really good way for us to talk before our speed round about where people can find you and how you help people now. Yeah, so I'm like, yeah, on Instagram and TikTok under the Fertility Reconnect. And my website is mymindfulme.com. Yeah, you can explore all around there and how I support people now. I mainly work with people with unexplained and autoimmune issues because obviously that's where my experience is. And I help people like really see we look into your past, we, you know, go years back and go, okay, when did you start trying to conceive? What was happening around then? We look at all your emotional issues, what you're eating, we dive into your diet. And, you know, most people I'm like, look, for the average person, you're eating really good. But here's where all your issues lie. And, you know, here's how you can fix it. So yeah, I just support people, yeah, through emotional and physical, you know, reconnecting those fertility links. So that's where you can find me. Do you do functional testing? Yeah, I do do functional testing. So that can be anything from hormones to food sensitivity tests. We now have a an antibody test that we can do. My thing with testing, which I tell people is, is that it can help us find some really good underlining issues, like say with your gut, like if you have candida or H. pylora, which can be huge issues for people. But a lot of the other testing, you'll just have a physical representation of what's going on. Like you'll just know that has for me, like I can link it 
I can look at your history and go, this is where you need to go. The testing kind of just supports that theory. But what happens with the testing is that sometimes we just get hung up on it. Mm. So food sensitivity tests are notorious for not being accurate, or they're just a very snapshot of what was happening in your life when you took it. And same with your hormones. Your hormones are always changing. So it's it's not always necessary to do those testing. I think it's helpful to build a really big picture. But if you've been at it for a really long time, testing isn't going to necessarily give you the answers you're looking for. You're still going to have to do the hard work. Most functional medicine practitioners are not going to prescribe you anything to give you a quick fix. They're still going to make you do the diet, the lifestyle, the mental work, uh, finding a community. You know, I run a course three times a year and I've started the course because of the community aspect. I felt like the one-on-one clients were missing that because it's hard, like we talked about before, to do this on your own. And there's a lot of pitfalls falls and to have that community and know that you're not alone doing this, especially if you have to get on an autoimmune paleo diet is really beneficial to mental health. So yeah. Are you ready for the speed round? Uh, Yep. (laughs) Okay. Do you have a favorite quote or affirmation? Yep. It's be your own hero, which I think you'll hear a lot on my Instagram page and uh, my TikTok. Yeah. You've got to be your own hero and advocate for yourself. And yeah, it's just, you're, you're the only one who truly cares. Do you have a book that you recommend everyone reads? I think at the moment, if you're struggling with your mental, mental well-being and trying to get on like that kind of path is 10% happier by Dan Harris. It's a much longer title than that. But if you're anything like me and things like meditation and all that stuff is just hippie BS, it's um, his true story, how he had like this major freak out on live TV in America and had to go through his own journey. And it really just helped me go, okay, if he can do this, I can do this. And he just brings that kind of whole mental meditation and all that to maybe like the 21st century, right? You can find a level that works for you. Do um, you have a message or something that you could kind of like, if you just had one thing that you wished everyone would know, what would it be? Improve your diet for sure. Not only is it going to increase your chances of, you know, getting pregnant naturally or through medical assistance, but it's going to improve your child's life or can possibly help to improve it. What really changed for me was finding out about epigenetics and how important what we do before our children are even created. And then the nine months of pregnancy, how much it actually has an effect on them is mind blowing. And, you know, there's no guarantees, you know, just just like everything else in life, you can do everything perfectly and shit can still happen. But it's still like, it's like going into a car, right? You put your seatbelt on just in case, you know, improving your diet and improving your well-being before you get pregnant and during your pregnancy is just going to improve your kid's chances of having, you know, a happier, healthier life, you know, and I have two boys and my husband's side has, oh God, what's the, um, (laughs) 
the male, not testicular, prostate. Prostate, yeah. Yep. So his grandfather, his father, his brothers had it. My husband definitely hands down has it, just hasn't found it yet because it's usually a older guy's issue. My sons are born with it. It's a genetic thing. And I'm just really grateful that I stumbled onto this because I've given them a better chance to one, maybe not ever have to deal with it. Or if they have to deal with it, they'll be able to fight it better. So yeah, just improve wherever you can and just keep it up. You know, like getting to pink lines is not the end. It's Mm. just the beginning. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm sure there will be a lot of people who are listening who like this has really hit them where it makes a difference. And I'm sure you've tugged at the heartstrings. I'm sure there's lots of people who can relate. So I really appreciate you coming on, sharing with us your journey and your wisdom of all of the things that you have learned along the way. Thank you, Monica. My pleasure. So nice to finally get on the podcast. (laughs) Have a great day, everyone, and we will catch you at the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Fertility Warriors podcast with me, your host, Robin Birkin. If you would like more tools, resources and courses to help you survive your journey, please head to robinburkin.com. And if you like this podcast, please share it with others. I look forward to catching you at the next episode.